0: Aren't you glad that most of all Jesus is in the house? Y'all can be seated. Praise the Lord. And uh, we're going to have a good time today. As we're going to preach you the word of God, but at the close of the service, we are also going to be having an impartation time. You know, there, there's a, in the Bible, it talks about the doctrine of laying on hands. So as we're preaching the word today, just get your hearts hooked up and expect the Spirit of God to minister to you. Don't you love that our Father is God of the universe, but yet He is our God? Jesus is our Lord. And we can have that personal relationship with Him. And He knows how to minister to each and every one of us just where we're at. So whatever you need today, I'm encouraging you just to draw on the Spirit of God and expect your need to be met. And all of us, we are expecting to be refreshed in this place today. Well, as Pastor talked about and and, uh, mentioned, we've been talking about the Holy fire of God and the Holy fire of God. It comes in our lives. It comes to cleanse us, to purge us, to ignite our spirit. To set us on fire and ablaze for His cause and for His purpose. And that's what I'm believing is gonna happen here today. A few years ago before, uh, Brother Oil Roberts, how many of you have ever heard of Oil Roberts, went home to be with the Lord. One of the last messages that the Lord spoke to him was that it's time for my ministers to preach with fire in their belly. Well, if it's time for the ministers to have fire in their belly, it's time for the believers. How many in here today are believers? You are born again, blood washed. Hallelujah. Well then, it's time for all of us to have this fire in our bellies. And I believe it that in 2017 is going to be a year where there is a fresh zeal and a passion that comes into the body of Christ. We're starting out 2017 ignited with God's plan and God's purpose. Well, you know, where does this fire come from? Of course, it comes from God. It doesn't come from things in the natural. It's good at the beginning of the year. A lot of people do New Year's resolutions. And it's good, you know, you can you can benefit maybe from a, a new fad diet. Or perhaps, you know, get these great new vitamins or say, okay, I'm going to make a commitment to go to the gym and get into a workout exercise routine. Now, no, but I don't want to lose anybody here talking about these things. You know, I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers, but a lot of people do these things at the beginning of the year and it's good and it's great. And you might get a little boost in your physical body and extra energy. And that's great. That's wonderful. But why? What will bring lasting results into our life is when there's a change on the inside. When something, that flame of God is lit on the inside by the author of holy fire. Anybody know who that is? Well, Hebrews twelve twenty nine tells us it's a short little verse, but it says for our God is a consuming fire. And you and I, the Bible tells us, are created in the likeness and in the image of God. We are created to be like him. So when we get born again, the author of this holy fire, God, comes on the inside of us. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, abides in us and the Holy Spirit. They all come. Part of the triune Godhead, the Trinity, all of them come to live on the inside of us. So when we get born again, we do get an impartation of the Holy Spirit. But there is another experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So when we receive the God who is a consuming fire on the inside of us, doesn't it stand to reason that something ought to change and something ought to be ignited within us? I've been reading this book by Wesley Duell. You can look him up if you'd like to. It's an old book and it's called Revival Fire. And one of the things that he said in there, and I can't improve on it, I love this quote. He said, God created our spirits flammable. We are spiritually combustible. Our nature is created to be ablaze by the spirit of God. Can I get a witness in the house? How many of you, you remember the day you got born again? How about filled with the Holy Ghost? You remember the day that you got filled with the Holy Ghost and something changed on the inside of you. Someone moved in and it made a difference. It changed you from the inside out. Well, all throughout the Bible, we can see accounts of people that came into contact with the fire of God and they were changed. We talked about it a couple of Sunday nights ago. Moses, when he encountered the burning, fiery bush, he was changed. It did something to him. He'd been on the backside of the desert for 40 years and he was thought his life was over. God's will and plan for him were over. But when he came in contact with that burning, fiery bush, he sent, he was sent. He stepped into his mission. He stepped into his place. You cannot come in contact with God and not be changed. And that's what happened to him. And then what about John the Baptist? He was known as the forerunner of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was Jesus' cousin. He was the son of John and Elizabeth. And you know he, I believe it, not John, Zacharias and Elizabeth. But he was one who understood who Jesus really was. He had the revelation. He was out preaching repentance. He was out preaching that there's one coming that is greater than I. He had the revelation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit along with the revelation of the new birth over in Matthew chapter three in verse 11, the Bible says this, and this is John the Baptist saying this, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with, everybody read that with me, with the Holy Spirit and fire. So I already asked you, how many of you here are born again? So that was the first message John the Baptist has. We need to repent. We need to receive the gift of salvation. And then we know he was known as John the Baptist because he baptized people in water. And right after he made this statement, Jesus showed up. On the scene. And he literally baptized Jesus in water. And a dove descended from heaven. And a voice said this is my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. So Jesus even let him baptize him. But John had this revelation. That there was something coming. There was something. And there was somebody. That was going to show up on The scene. And he was going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire that would bring change. So Jesus, he went about this earth. He did his ministry, but he also knew that his disciples were going to need to be filled with the Holy Ghost power to accomplish the great Commission. He laid out the great commission in Mark 16. And part of it was you're going to lay hands on the sick and you are going to speak with new tongues. So he was preparing them. He was letting his disciples know a time is coming when you are going to need an experience beyond just being born again to carry out my call and my commission in your life. People ask, can I go to heaven without being filled with the Holy Spirit? Of course you can. But my response is always, why do you want to? Why don't you want to have everything? that Jesus has to offer the time and the season in which we are living in. We can see it. There is change in the air. There's change in the political scene. We just had a new president that was inaugurated, but there is also change in the spiritual realm and in the spiritual scene. I believe one of the greatest changes is that is happening is there is an awakening in our nation, there is an awakening unto righteousness and there is a hunger that's coming in people that are not born again. But in the church, there is a spiritual cry that's going out. And I believe that people are responding. Are you responding to the cry? And are you saying, Lord, here am I. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your power. Make me a blessing, Lord Jesus, that I can do your works, that I can be a witness. Hallelujah. And Jesus knew the early church, his disciples were going to need this experience. Over in Acts chapter 1, we won't take time to read all of it, but in Acts chapter 1 in verse 4, he tells them that they need to go and they need to tarry in the city of Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. He was in essence saying, you need to go and you need to wait and do not leave until you receive the Holy Spirit, this one that I am sending in my physical absence, this one that will be your helper. He will be your teacher. He will be your guide. He will be your comforter. He will be your strengthener. He will be your advocate. And he said, you're going to need him. This in Acts chapter one was the last time that Jesus spoke to his disciples. It was after he'd already died. After he'd been raised from the dead. And he shows up in their midst and gives them these instructions. And then down in Acts chapter 1 in verse 8 out of the Amplify, we do want to look at this one. This is Jesus talking. It's in red in your Bible. And he's telling them what to expect. But you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends, the very bonds of the earth. I ask if you're born again, how many in here are disciples of Christ? Disciplined followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he's talking to you. He's talking to me. And he's saying, I want to give you this precious gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That will endue you with power, ability, efficiency, and might that you haven't had before. It'll give you that boldness to stand up. In the day and in the age in which you are living. The church age started out in a blaze of glory. Ignited by the fire of the Holy Ghost. And that is how we're going to end. We're not going to end running to some caves and eating dry tribulation food. We're going to end ablaze on fire with the glory of God shining bright in the midst of a perverse and crooked nation. This is our time, church. This is our time to bring him glory and to bring him honor like never before. The world is dark, but the church ought to be brighter. And we can't do that in our own ability. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by the spirit of the living God coming on us afresh and anew and igniting someone on the inside of us. So if the early church needed. To have this wonderful infilling of the Holy Spirit. So do we. So do we. Let's look at this initial outpouring. Acts chapter 2. And we'll just begin reading in, in verse 1. And I like this out of the King James. Because that's how I'm used to having it read. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord, in one place. The Holy Ghost fell on a on that day on purpose. God doesn't do anything by accident. The initial feast of Pentecost was commemorated when when uh, Moses went up to Mount Sinai and received the Ten Commandments. And what happened on that day? The mountain shook with the presence of God. There was thunder and there was lightning. And when the Ten Commandments were given to the children of Israel on that day, on the feast of Pentecost, it brought new revelation. It brought new light and it caused them to go higher in their walk with God. And now that the church has is born again, here we have it again, the day a Pentecost. And something is going to happen that's going to take this new born church, this early church to a new level. Hallelujah. And what was it? Verse 2. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Amen. Suddenly there came a sound From heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them. Cloven tongues. Like as of. Say it with me. Like as of fire. Holy fire. And it sat upon each of them. It was not. A teeny little flame like you may have seen in your Sunday school classrooms like I did growing up in a Pentecostal church. We had this little picture in our Sunday school classrooms. And these people are sitting around holding hands in this teeny little flame above their heads. That's not how it happened. The Holy Ghost descended upon them. And he sat On them and cloven tongues of fire consumed them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. They became wall to wall. Holy Ghost. And that scripture was fulfilled about Jeremiah the prophet saying it was like fire. Shut up. In my bones. And I could not keep it to myself. That's why they spilled out into the streets. And Peter began to preach. And the Bible says 3,000 men plus women and children were born again from 120 people getting sat on by the Holy Ghost and fire. Oh Lord, (laughs) send the fire just now. Woo! Oh Lord, light the church once again that will spill out into the streets and declare the goodness of our God. Now it goes on here. Some people get tripped up when they come to receive the Holy Spirit and they think that, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to grab your tongue and make you do some weird stuff. And people come to receive the Holy Spirit sometimes with their mouth closed and their jaw clenched. (laughs) I dare you, Holy Ghost. You are not going to make me talk. No, that's not how it happens. Verse 4 says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit. Gave them utterance. Who did the speaking here? They did the speaking. The Holy Ghost gives the utterance. But we have to yield. It's our tongue. It's our voice. We yield to him. And he gives divine utterance. And a language from heaven. Hallelujah. Thank God. That on that day, the Holy Ghost and fire fell on that early church. And when you come in contact with fire, you are marked. There's an impression that is made. I could probably ask some of you in here today do you have a little scar from maybe when you were burned? It finally went away, but years ago I had a scar on my neck. You know, back in the 80s when you had big hair? I'm using those big old curling irons and I dropped a curling iron on my neck. And I had a scar there for quite a while. Came in contact with fire. in <laughs> The wrong kind of fire. But when we come in contact with fire, we're going to have sometimes, there's going to be a burn. There's going to be an impression. But it's not that kind of fire we're talking about. We're talking about holy fire. And it branded them when they spilled out into the streets at 120, nobody had to say, oh, were they there? It says they all began to speak in other tongues and everybody took notice. And everybody was like, "Woo! something happened to them. They were marked as Christians. They were marked as christ followers. They were branded as Pentecostal people. You and I are Pentecostal. I know some of you may have come in on this great experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit during the charismatic days. That's awesome. That's great. You might want to call yourself charismatic. You might want to say, I've had the glossolalia experience, but folks, you're Pentecostal. You've been sat on. You've been branded by the fire of God. Hallelujah. Let's live up to our branding. Last week I talked about, and some of you missed it, man. You'll just love, you'd love love to hear this story, but I'm not going to give it to you again. I gave you the illustration of how to wring a chicken's neck. Uh Pastor Tom just loved it. So today, I'm not going to talk about that, but I'm going to talk about branding. You know, you can take the girl out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the girl. So God uses our past experience. But when I was thinking about them being marked and branded by the Holy Ghost, it reminded me when we were kids that, you know, we had to brand our cattle. My dad's name was John, and our last name was Edwards. So he had a real unique little branding. It was a J, and then had three little lines that kind of looked like an E. Why do you do that? So if the cattle get out, anybody in the county, you knew each other's brands. They would call. They'd say, hey, Johnny, you know, your cows are over here in my pasture. They're on the road because those cows were branded. And anybody that saw that brand, oh, J.E., that's John Edwards. They knew who those cows belonged to. We are not cows, but we're sheep. Hallelujah. And we've been branded. And people ought to be able to see from our lives who we belong to. I know for me, I was born again at a very young age. I was filled with the Holy Ghost at age 11, right before my 12th birthday. And I'll never forget my encounter of getting filled with the Holy Ghost and far, far, far. Hallelujah. It changed me forever. And that flame has never gone out. Certainly, there's times in all of our lives where that flame becomes more of a flicker. And you're like, whoa, whoa, is it still burning in there? But you know what? We can fan the flame. We don't have to let it go out. Romans chapter 8, I mean, Romans 12, verse 11 in the Amplified tells us this. Never lag in zeal. And in earnest endeavor. But be aglow. And burning with the spirit. Serving the Lord. Be what? Be aglow. Burning with the spirit. Don't lag in zeal. The word lag means to fall behind. To move slowly. Than expected to wane in intensity. It's not a compliment. If your kid's teacher tells you your kid is lagging behind, you don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that about our kids and we don't want to lag behind and lose our intensity when it comes to the things of God. Does it take an effort to keep the flame burning bright? Alright class, what's the answer? Anything that is worth having takes effort. Does it take effort to keep the spark alive in your marriage? Yes, yes, is it every day that you wake up full of passion and overwhelmed with this? Ah. Oh, This sense of love and you wake up and you look at your mate and you're just like, oh my goodness, I have to get up and get you coffee. I just can't wait to make you breakfast in bed and please, please let me do your laundry. I mean, you know, it's not like we have those overwhelming senses every day. We're all saying, please, please. Sometimes you got to take it by faith. On my end, on Pastor's end, I know he looks at me sometimes in the morning and my hair's all over the place. And guess what? I don't wake up with makeup on. And (laughs) I'm sure it's a scary sight, but he takes it by faith because he loves me. But whether we feel anything or not, we're married. And we need to invest in our marriage. And we have to do something to keep that passion and that flame burning. Go to couple together. Go to these events. Invest into your marriage. Amen. It's worth it. Well, if it's like that with our relationships and our marriage, it's like that with our relationship with Jesus. It's not a one-time experience to read the Bible. It's not a one-time experience to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a daily relationship. It's a daily communing with Him. Investing in our time with Him. That's what keeps that flame burning. Being in the Word. Praying in the Spirit. On a regular Worshipping Him continually. Hallelujah. Now one last scripture. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Today we're going to get refueled, rekindled, and refired. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy 1, 6 in the Amplified says, That is why I would remind you to stir up. Everybody say, stir up. stir up, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame of, and keep burning the gracious gift of God. The inner fire that is in you by the means of the laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. We're going to have a laying on hand service here in a few minutes. If this, this should not be the biography of your life. But again, this is from Wesley Duell, and I I agree with it. The spiritual biography of too many Christians is once ablaze, but grown cold now. That's not our story. Even if there is a flickering flame that's almost gone out on the inside of you. It can once again become a brilliant fire for his glory and for his honor. He said here, Paul writing to Timothy said, stir up that gracious gift. If you're going to make something, if you're going to make chocolate chip cookies, you can have all the ingredients in your kitchen. You can put them in the bowl. But guess what? You're not going to have any cookies until you stir them all together and follow the directions. All of us have things on the inside of us. Gracious gifts. Gracious impartations. Gracious talents that came from the Father above. But we have the responsibility to keep them stirred up so being filled with the holy ghost and fire will cause that flame to be fanned and to rekindle it, i like how it says rekindle the embers listen to what an ember is an ember is a piece of wood smoldering in ashes last hope of fire being reignited but you know what can cause that ember to come back to life blowing on it breathing on it then an ember is sparked back to life the Holy Ghost is symbolized as a rushing mighty wind we just read that in Acts chapter 2 I believe today he wants to breathe, breathe life and passion back into our lives. Maybe there's just a little ember there, but just a wind of the Holy Ghost can cause that ember to be reignited. Again. Hallelujah. So today, we are expecting.